Before we get started with today's episode, I'm here to ask you to please consider giving me some money. That's right. Crisis Twink has a wonderful listener support option in our show notes through which you can choose to make a small, large, or an astronomical monthly donation to support the operating costs of the podcast. It's entirely optional, but it is much appreciated. So if that's something that's interesting to you, then uh, give it a little look. All right, on with the show. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I am the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. But today I do have a wonderful guest, a fellow expert in all things cultural, Jack Mazio. Did I say that right? You did say it right. Okay. Congratulations. Lovely to be here. Um, happy to be. Am I the first, like, no, I'm not the first bear guest on this pod. No, but but you are the most influential, let's say. Like you are, you've refined the art form you in know, a way I'm that few that. before you have. Exactly. I'm the like the world's most famous um. Chicago Twitter bear, which is also not true because <laughs> <laughs> if I like showed more whole, I feel like I could be, but we just haven't gotten to that point yet. But I mean, who among us though? Like that, <laughs> if the world were showing more whole, I think we'd be a more engaged society. Like culture would be fixed. We'd, we'd just be, we'd be healed, pure, everything that we need to be right now. And um, that's where the world would be if Hillary would have won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hillary. Hillary. Um, I am finding your tones, your dulcet tones, so soothing today, too. Like, this may be the first Crisis Twink app that doubles as, like, an ASMR mm. showcase. Yeah. Usually, um, the voice is a lot higher, a little faggier. Today, we are keeping it low. Um, I'm running on like two hours of sleep, maybe, um, and it's the morning, mm-hmm. and by morning I mean 1 p.m. So, <laughs> yeah, I is because you boots last night. I did, indeed. which is very famous Chicago party. I did not. I was at a dog's birthday party last night, so I had a very, uh, very different evening, but still also running on fumes for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think those are both held to the same standard, like a dog's birthday party. It depends on the dog. Is the dog, like, really cool and down? Down to clown, like, one of those dogs that wears sweaters, too. Like, he's, like, always dressed up, turning a look. And there was a theme for the party. It was sweaters and sausages. Where does the sausage come into play? (laughs) Because he's just, like, a little sausage dog, I guess. But the sweaters were most uh, definitely more thematic. I, I guess easier to dress up for though it being 70 degrees for most of the day yesterday was not like the best timing for that but I got my like 
a full like TikTok team outfit on, which was not like sweater vest over a t-shirt, like the baggiest pants I've ever put on in my life. Like it, I was not myself. Full Christina Aguilar and not myself tonight, but oh. it was, uh, I don't know. It's good. It sounds like a good time. It um, was, it was no boots, but it was. It was its it own. Was fun. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my friend yesterday who works at like a thrift store and apparently there is a new crisis because obviously like TikTok has blown up in community and they said that like <laughs> everybody now in the store is like 14 years old and their whole they just come into the store and like hold up something and like wave it around and put it on camera and then put it back and don't even buy it and they're like my like thrift haul <laughs> that's so rude and like <laughs> poser behavior it's poser behavior like if he, I guess this is not like a fair rule, but I was raised to that if you touch something, you buy it. <laughs> like, I know for clothes, that's hard because you have to try it on. But like, I hate it when people just like, I mean, it's do it for the gram culture, but so much worse because 14 yeah. year olds are doing it. Like we don't really talk about that a lot where like you go into a store and the amount of fucking hands that have been on all of those clothes. And I'm just like, bopping around going it on putting it on like it's the newest thing that's ever existed like it hasn't been touched by like human flesh <laughs> yeah and at first store, that's just the very concept of it is you know simply not the case <laughs> like it's all um, in me because i am someone who has famously gotten scabies from a thrift store before <gasps> no Ooh, that... i remember but my college roommate at the time we went on like a thrift haul like me and my roommates, and like me and my one roommate like kept everything in a bag overnight like for 24 hours like washed it the next day whatever the other one didn't wore that stuff out that same night gave the entire apartment scabies oh that is the most hellish experience bone chilling bone chilling. have you ever thought about like bugs that you can't see like crawling their way out of your skin it is disgusting i don't want to no i don't think you'll never that feel with... clean again <laughs> yeah i i remember reading some like um I don't know I guess I was in high school but like remember those like two cents horror stories yes that were so popular on reddit or whatever I there was one about like bugs crawling out of like your skin that just made me feel so viscerally uncomfortable and I think about it all the time like every time I have a bug in my apartment it's a crisis crisis level um the last time I went thrifting with um friend of the pod mutual friend eddie Byrne. Mm. we did not run into a tiktok team but we did run into another influential social media character uh mayor of chicago Lori lightfoot <laughs> <laughs> yeah at, uh, um i don't remember what's called that like big the really big one in wicker park and i'm like i guess that's where you're buying oh ragstock we went to ragstock got it and i'm like i guess that's where you get your Oversized. The oversized suits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you, you gotta think? buy vintage for stuff like that. It's hard to find a cut, a suit in I, that cut these days. Honestly, I'm going to say the oversized suits on Lori Lightfoot are kind of camp. Like, <laughs> I they're so so big. It gives me like um, talking head. Stop making sense. Oh yeah. Um, it's like not fitted at all. She's never been to a tailor, and it like it. If you take a picture of her, it kind of looks like it could be like a really weird Balenciaga campaign. Oh, yeah. And then you realize who she is and it's like fucked up. But 
it's editorial. <laughs> it's very editorial. It's like, I, if you didn't have power, I would like kind of stand. <laughs> and that's that's a big if. Um, <laughs> I saw a picture of Robert Pattinson at one of the Batman premieres from last week, and he was wearing a suit that I will generously refer to as a light cut, a light foot cut suit. And it looks so good on him. Like it's a look that works if you can, if you have the confidence to rock it. And she clearly has the confidence to rock it. So he has the biggest dick in Chicago. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I did every every Italian on notice. Um from from sweet Lori Lightfoot. Um, okay, we gotta move on to our first game though. So we're gonna play Go Call the Governor. I am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history, and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. Okay. No wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? That is the true binary. That, that is the true binary. The only binary that we accept. It's a simple, it's a yes or no question. <laughs> um, all right. Charlie XCX tussles online with stands amidst criticism of her new era. Does the governor need to be called? Absolutely. I actually, <laughs> I assumed we were going to get into this today because, yeah. um, okay. So my whole feelings about this, I mean, I guess if we can explain for those who maybe did not see it. So Miss Charlotte is in the throes of like her promotional campaign for her new album. She um, is clearly very online. And that's like always been something about her is that she's like very well connected to her fans and stuff um, to a fault in some points. Mm -hmm. um, so she released this new single and then <laughs> she must have been like searching her name on Twitter because she wasn't even added in this tweet that she go like went off on. No. Um, and for context, it's the most psychotic tweet of all time. It's a photo, like a still photo of Demi Lovato with the fucking like bad to the bone apple <laughs> ringtone riff with a caption that's just kind of like, um, I haven't been vibing with the new Charlie singles, but she's still mother. And for whatever reason, Charlie took that as like saying she was having a midlife crisis. Yeah. Like calling someone, like when you call someone mother in like the stand Twitter context, it's borrowing from like ballroom culture. Like she's mother right now means that like, she's like the queen, like she's, she's ruling everything. Like not that like, she's literally like a, a four-year-old hey, mother, mother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so I just think she needs to log off like yes let pop stars ju just make music like you don't need to comment on everything like this so my problem with her is like her whole thing has always been that she wants to be like the biggest pop star in the world yeah which I get and I love that for her but if you want to be the biggest pop star in the world the biggest pop stars in the world aren't that online. Like they are not looking at comments. They are not reading every piece of criticism about that. Maybe like Nikki and Cardi B. And maybe, maybe Demi, yeah. <laughs> Definitely Demi. Um, but like, if you look like at a Gaga or a Beyonce or like Rihanna, those people are not online. And I think she needs to like, hopefully this album does well, the girl makes some money, she can get like a better team and like a social media manager who like can lock her out of her. Yeah. <laughs> like, just filter the stuff that she doesn't need to see. 
she's someone who really prides herself on having a symbiotic relationship with the fans too like did you watch the documentary I did not, but I get the general vibe. Yeah. I was in some of the um, how I'm feeling now Zooms. Okay, so you're you're on the ground level. You are the documentarian in this case. Like I guess. <laughs> I I watched it last year and definitely a stands only kind of enterprise, but it is really she is someone who really thrives on validation. And not to like psychoanalyze someone who I don't know, because that's, I mean, the crux of the issue here in a lot of ways, but the, she definitely like needs feedback and I can see why she would maybe just be searching everything, especially because this is a very different era compared to her last few. Yes. But it's like, you need the feedback, but you only want to hear positive opinions. So like, I don't really know what she wants from the situation. And like, and to be fair, she's really used to getting almost exclusively positive opinions. The last right. time I remember her getting even a little bit of pushback about new music was when Blame It On Your Love came out, the Lizzo version, which, which it, it kind of deserved. Yeah, it's not it definitely not one of her best songs. Well, like, because I guess I feel a way about it because I also agree that like these songs just aren't hitting for me personally. Yeah. Um, I like I get what she's going for and but to me like with Charlie specifically like like 25% of her catalog has always been skips for me like since the jump and that's fine like I don't need to like I think there's this whole idea with like standing now that it's like completely all or nothing like we have to love every single thing this artist produced or you aren't a real fan of them and I think that's like fucked up and not really fair because it's like you make one criticism like, hey, I like this song. That's fine. You can still stand. Like I have, <laughs> I am an Apple Music girly, so I have my mm-hmm. Jody catalog and that bitch comes up on shuffle like every three songs. And will I skip it like 80% of the time? Yes. Yeah, but because you can't, you have to be in a very specific headspace to listen to Joni Mitchell too. <laughs> like it's not, it's not easy listening. <laughs> but it's like, it's fine. Like when it hits, it hits. And when it doesn't, it doesn't. And I still respect her as an artist, but it's like, I can say that some songs are worse than others because they are. They are. And that's, everything is always going to be compared to within the context of an artist catalog. It's all comparative. Um, did you see her comment though, that she said that like, she thinks this is her most cohesive era yet though? So I'll say this. Mm-hmm. I sort of do agree with her because if the vision is to make perfectly competent mid-tier Euro dance inflected pop music. Everything's been that. <laughs> and I like it, but none of these songs are more than like an eight out of 10 for me. I think Baby is the best of the bunch. I didn't love Baby. Um, I don't know. I think that like people hate on Beg For You, but I think it's the most fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like good ones, I will admit. Um, oh. Yeah, I get a lot of flack for that opinion. I I said when it came out and somebody, like I got annoying DMs because of it, but I said that it sounds like um, a Marina and the Diamonds B-side. All right, well, <laughs> we're shutting this from, down from right her here. Best era, from her best era, but- Which is Electra like Heart? 
Yes, it okay. sounds like yeah. it could be on Electra Heart, which again, wasn't really a read. It's just like, it's not what I want from Charlie. And that's my whole, like the whole crux of the issue for me too, is like, I think she doesn't understand what, like, cause it's not that like the fact that she's shying away from hyper reason that I don't like her because yeah. I liked her in her earlier eras when she was doing like alt Tumblr girl music. It's just like what she's doing now, like has been done before and done better. So like, this just isn't interesting to me. I, the name that keeps rattling around my brain throughout this whole cycle is Ava Max <laughs> because these are essentially Ava Max songs. Like Ava Max has been doing like the sampling Eurodance hits for personal gain thing for years now. And it's, it is weird to see Charlie who, and no shade to Ava because I do like her music quite a bit. I don't think of Ava Max as an innovator necessarily. And oh. it's- <laughs> The haircut was an innovation. That, no, no, that was an innovation. But even she ditched that for something that arguably to me is worse. But now it's seeing Charlie do the sampling formula, which she's been doing since um, Out Out too, mm-hmm. which I, I, I do I like, like that, that song. song. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. But I didn't think that that was going to be the blueprint for everything. Right. Which it's kind of been. Yeah. So... I don't know. Get well soon, I guess. Is that, that's kind of all we can ever say in situations like this. I hope the best for that woman. Am I still going to critique her? And I'm still going to come for her for doing an NFT music festival? Absolutely. Yes. Well, and to her credit, she did drop that. I know, but she made a whole stink about it in the Rolling Stone article about how she was bullied into dropping it. I was like, maybe you just shouldn't have done it in the first place. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I get that it's sort of on brand for you to to do NFT related stuff because you are sort of you know, you're like a tech girly, like your, your whole thing has always been very like synthetic future forward, future forward. Yeah. But I don't know, like it's, it's too scammy and people really don't like it. So just like tap into what your audience does want, make the music you want to make, but don't be annoying about it. (laughs) She did tear it crazy on SNL last night though. She looked, she did so well. I didn't watch because I'm not an SNL girly, but that's I fine. I, I, only, I did gag a bit um, when she was originally supposed to perform. And like all we got of it was that like photo of her in like a chicken costume. Like that was a gag, but <laughs> I don't need to see her perform unless it's that um, the one like performance that tanked her album. Um, her performance of Bounce. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that really, performance. I did too, but it flopped so hard and literally yeah. that whole album roll out. <laughs> and no, I mean, that song to this day is still unreleased. And it's Officially. Like, yeah. Officially. It's released in my iTunes catalog. <laughs> sure. So much of her stuff is. So uh, when she fires the rest of her management, she definitely needs to hire like a full cybersecurity team too. Okay, next scenario here. Yeah. Calling things Lynchian. Does the governor need to be called? Um, I'm going to say no because I personally do call things Lynchian. Oh, me too. But it, you have to admit, it's the most, oh, one of the most overused words in like contemporary criticism. And like, it is, but I think like David Lynch as an artist is one of the most like singular human beings that has ever lived, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like the stuff that he makes is so batshit and out there that like so much is like 
people take so much from his work and do reinterpret it in different ways. Mm -hmm. So I think there's like no really better way to describe it without like, cause you have to pay homage to the man who did it first. Yeah. I do think people are so quick to just slap that word onto everything that's weird. That is true. Yes. Which is not like if you want, I just rewatched Blue Velvet, which is mm -hmm. what was triggering this comment. And that movie is, yeah, weird is a, is a word, but it's very deliberately off kilter. Yes. And like a weird facsimile of what, you know, suburban American life is in a way that only he really can do. And I don't know, like, I, I don't think like, I, I saw someone describe a Scare Squirm sketch today too as Lynchian that was on last night. I'm like, that's not nothing on what that is. <laughs> no, like Sarah, I like Sarah Squirm stuff a lot, but it's not, they're not even in the same ballpark of the kind of stuff they're trying to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. His, because like his whole thing has always been like essentially trying to like recreate the experience of a dream in like visual art, mm -hmm. which I think is insane because everything he like, because he does it so well and I don't understand how his brain works to like conceptualize that and do it. Um, it's like he's mm -hmm. able to take things that seem so batshit and out of place, but still tie them together in like a weird like two hour movie. Um, I recently saw like, a 35 millimeter print of Wild at Heart at mm -hmm. the Fiscal Film Center downtown. And um, I had never seen that one before because it's weirdly like not available to stream anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, it's so nuts and out there. It's like his muses are also some of my favorite people. So you have Kyle MacLachlan who um, per your earlier poll is hot. Yes, thank officially so. Officially <laughs> America has decided. Um, like Laura Dern, who is mm -hmm. like one of America's national treasures, Isabella Rossellini, who is, I think, one of the most underrated actresses of all time. Fantastic. And I did not realize that Blue Velvet was one of her first roles. Yes. Ever. She'd just been modeling until she was in her mid-30s. And he, she just gave her, he gave her a chance. And she yeah. kills it. If you, um, I tweeted recently a picture of her in Wild at Heart because I said it's the most beautiful that anyone's ever looked on screen because she has like the biggest, bushiest, like black eyebrows and mm -hmm. like the dirtiest, like swim team bleach blonde hair and stunning. Like, <laughs> yeah, she is in like in Death Becomes Her too, like yes. just beyond, beyond hot. In that movie. Did, do you remember, weren't they supposed to make a remake of that movie or is that just a rumor? Of Wild at Heart? I don't know. No, of Death Becomes Her. Oh, oh, I'm sure There's... that's an idea that people keep having over and over again. And I just want to say, don't do it. <laughs> no, don't it just, do just it. Like re-release it in 4K and call yeah. it a day. Um, but I, Gaga was supposed to play, or the rumor was that she was to play the Isabella Rossellini character in a remake of Death Becomes Her. Okay, I don't see, know what happened to that movie. Now I'm back in because right. it's and simple. That, I hear Gaga movie. Yeah. A support a supporting actress Oscar feels right for her. Yeah. I mean that I say that with all the love in my heart. Like I don't want her to get it for lead. If she had been in bullet train like she was supposed to, maybe be be having a I, that conversation. I don't think Bullet Train's going to be as good as everybody wants it to be, but <laughs> I that trailer looked good. I 
I shouldn't be, but I'm very suspect of a Joey King project, though. I There's nothing about her screams, like, auteur, like, I don't know. She's not, she is still like Beezus and Ramona to me. <laughs> She's just Beezus, like... Yeah, I've never seen The Kissing Booth, but I've gotten everything I need from just like two second clips I've seen on Twitter. Yeah, I, I've seen the act and she's good in the act, but- at, Chloe Sevigny vehicle of the act. <laughs> yes, who also fantastic. Get Chloe Sevigny in bullet train, like get her more things to do. Yeah, we need her to get more things to do. We need Anna Sophia Robb to have her renaissance. Yes, <laughs> she's- she just got cast in something the other day that I was like, oh, good for you. But now I don't remember what it is. I know that Chloe Sevigny is in that, um, that Elle Fanning show where she oh, plays the, the girl who texts her boyfriend, go kill yourself, and then he does it. Oh, that one. Yeah. I think she's playing her mom, but don't quote me on that. It is weird to see Chloe Sevigny get cast in mom roles now like that's it's weird that she can you imagine being her child like <laughs> at baby vanya yeah i i would like that <laughs> i want to i mean i would like it too but like it, i just don't know what i'm again we don't know this woman but just like from all of the vibes i've gotten following her for my entire life i just <laughs> i can't imagine that woman as a mother and that's not a read <laughs> it's not a read <laughs> And I think that's, you know what, it's an element of mystery and we're all just going to have to sit with that and just watch it happen. That baby's going to be cool as fuck, though. That baby is going to be like Noelle de la Steps vibes, I think. <laughs> that like, baby um, out the womb in the tabbies, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love, I love, I love baby Vanya. I love that whole family. Okay, we do have one last little topic, and I don't want to give too much brain space to this because it's so crazy, but direct quote from Bethany Frankel, <laughs> you don't have to be Ukrainian to be a hum- humanian. Humanian? I don't, see, that's where, okay, it doesn't work when you say <laughs> it out loud, so. She really thought she did something there. Yeah. Um, so, Beth, hard one to crack because I think Bethany is one of the most compelling TV characters of all time. I think like her work on (laughs) Real Housewives, it's like the way that that woman can see in real time that something is not giving and like just start a fit, Mm -hmm. push like a story forward is like unlike any other person. It's what everybody else on reality TV is trying to do. She is a very smart, astute, per extremely perceptive person with somehow very little self-awareness exactly and that's how we get moments like this so she is like the literal devil on earth her and lisa rinna together probably (laughs) yeah um but it's like she does this shit and she like gets on her podcast and like spews all this transphobia and does all this stupid stuff oh i forgot about that yeah and then she'll Ooh. go and like raise a hundred million dollars for like people in need. And I'm like, I can't be mad at her because like her hustle is insane. She's doing things that like all these other millionaires can't do. And like just pulling all of her rich friends together being like, give me money. We got to go fix stuff now. Yeah. Like she was giving physical cash to people to get out of Ukraine. Like had people like going and giving cash cards so they could get out. I'm like, like you're a monster, but you're also making for it. So 
karmically we're like even here with Bethany. yeah it just it is hard to she really fancies herself a comedian oh. and that in a hot all the worst people viewer, if she want i would rather just have her be on roni and do her humanitarian work like cut out the podcast stuff cut out all this extraneous development deal stuff why does like, okay like every like moderately famous person has a podcast now which I know has been like gone into to death but it's like I <laughs> I keep getting the ads for the like Katie Couric podcast I was like we've reached <laughs> critical mass like yeah I mean to I'm scared of Katie Couric so like I don't I don't <laughs> want her shooters are everywhere I don't really want to disparage her but I'm like you just wrote all this huge tell-all book where you talk shit about everyone and now you want to have an audio visual component to that so you have a weekly platform to shit talk people uh, you know when I say it out loud that sounds fun but at the same time I'm like some people if you're too if you're coming in too hot scale back the my favorite thing though about this specific ad that I'm referencing is that it's it's like Katie has on people like Jessica Chastain and then the clip that they chose from this package was Katie Couric being like you don't have to talk about that if you don't want to and Jessica Chastain was like oh I'll talk about it and then it cuts off <laughs> I was love- like why that's not going to get people to listen I'm sorry well unfortunately you're wrong because that's <laughs> enough to get me to listen I God bless. Jessica Chastain is so deeply annoying to me, but the talent, undeniable. And to hear her and Katie in conversation, like, splitting an atom, like, Um, too, too reactive. Yeah, I can't with Jessica Chastain. I, is she a good actress? Maybe. I I don't really know. Um, Eyes of Tammy Faye was, I think she is because I think she did the best with like a kind of really bad script. So yeah, I just watched this earlier this week. I thought the movie was bad. Yes. But she is fantastic. But I'm just, I'm tired of like giving awards to like people for just like putting on some prosthetics and crying. Like sure, but like okay, yes, I one hundred percent agree with that. you. Yeah, like she clearly has a lot of love and affection for Tammy Faye that you kind of see, that you really see throughout the entire performance, and that sort of made me endeared to her. And she's but also it, the rare non-singer who is really good at acting while singing. Okay, yeah, those singing performances were insane. Um, I, I, like Jesus takes a kip in the high in high, like it's unbelievable. Like, and she, she nails the voice too. Like my mom and I were sending each other like actual Tammy Faye songs this whole week, mm-hmm. and like it's pretty uncanny she what she does. Well. That's yeah. it's just like I think it's weird to me that like even awards like bodies like still mm-hmm. take the best acting categories as like the people doing the most. Sure. And I'm kind of tired of like awarding that because then we just continue to get like stupid shit, like bad movies like this that allow people to just like that and your House of Gucci's, et cetera. Um, Whereas like, I think like of the nominees, this most compelling performance is Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers. Oh yeah. Who's doing like, 
she's doing a lot as she always does, but it's so much more restrained and like refined. And she's like giving a career best performance in like an actually well-written good movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, this is the disclaimer where I have to say that I've only seen a few of the Oscar nominees so far this year. The next month is when I'm really catching up. But if you showed me on paper, just the list of the nominees and asked me to guess who the best performance here is, it would be Penelope Cruz in an Almodovar movie is like well, a no-brainer. An interesting thing too is that we also nominated Olivia Coleman, who's arguably- Oh, I did see that. Fantastic movie. Also a very subtle performance. Like you talk about how it's everyone's getting rewarded for doing the most. She sort of did the most in the favorite yes not in a bad way though like that's a great performance and lost daughter is go girl give us nothing in a way that i enjoyed yeah yeah i i I that movie gets better the more i sit with it (laughs) dakota should have gotten a nom i do think i said um i know she's like in her like greek dragon that movie but um, (laughs) it's shocking like after I saw it, I sent, do you know that tweet from Demi Lovato, Javada, yeah, Demi Lovato that was like, that one time I went on vacation and looked so Latina? <laughs> that she, was Dakota Johnson in The Lost Daughter. <laughs> channeling like her Greek roots. It, yeah, it, the wig was wigging in a very wiggish way, but like it's, it's such a good subtle performance. Like I'm kind of surprised that movie didn't get more nominations, honestly, because I think it just got script and. Oh, and Jesse Buckley who. Oh I, yeah. It won't, yeah. Well, okay. I like Jesse Buckley just fine. Je- Jesse Buckley is what I call a dimples actor. Who <laughs> their entire thing is just like, kind of like slyly smiling to the left to show off their dimple oh my and that's god like all she's in that movie and then like fuck over an entire family yeah she she <laughs> is rude in that it's a good performance but it's not like the supporting one that i would have picked like even I mean, like dog mara as the scary sister-in-law <laughs> i thought is a better performance yes i don't know i i mean i never really agree with a lot of award bodies in general um just because they, all of their choices are still so safe. It's so boring. Yeah. It's like, and it's literally because these old people refuse to watch these movies. And like, uh, like the reason why like Spencer didn't get a lot of pickups in a lot of like award categories was because people literally admitted not watching it because they didn't want to watch The Girl from Twilight. I was like, y'all need to grow up. <laughs> grow up because if- Also grow watch Personal Shopper. <laughs> yeah, like Kristen Stewart has been doing incredible like, art house work for 10 years now the narrative is stale and tired and same with Robert Pattinson like bringing up Twilight over and over again is not the read people think it is and honestly in a rewatch I did recently they're good in it and I'm going to bravely come out and say it that book is one of the like worst written things atrocious and they did the best of the with that little Instagram filter and their pale, pale, pale little skin and um, Kristen Stewart in her little Mormon gowns. <laughs> Mormon gowns, not the word, like it, dusty night gowns, like um, really. Yeah. Very, um, oh. all brown tones with like layering shirts on top of shirts type of situation. Those movies are so visually ugly. Like it's, 
I, I mean, the book is not going to lend itself. Like, it has to look damp and dismal, but, like, they didn't have to make it look that. They make some yeah. of the hottest people look the worst they've ever looked. Oh, I, I have been experiencing a Robert Pattinson renaissance recently. And, like, in terms of how I, like, view him hottishly not that you know what I mean <laughs> I like I'm not I'm not articulating but like for whatever reason the Batman promo cycle I've really been like oh he's like dumb hot and I kind of have taken that for granted for a long time I um I think he is very hot respect him as an artist I'm also I'm a high life stan as well if you've seen that I have not but it's been on my um, list for a long time love Claire Denis beautiful wonderful film um but i can't separate that from um the fka twigs of it all yeah and he like wife swapped with shia labeouf essentially yeah. though now he's dating one of my favorite who's Suki waterhouse yes who, a classic classic textbook so and not to be reductive because she's like actually signed a i think domino or sub pop now for her music career didn't well, even like, know she had a music career to be well honest. it's not that great like <laughs> she's making like kind of knockoff pj harvey music oh no sounds more fun than it actually is but like she you know she's doing stuff but it's a. Uh, I mean i my favorite sookie waterhouse moment was when she dated bradley cooper yes. and they did those stage paparazzi photos in central park where where he read lolita to her Ew, yes, I remember. So gross. Suki Waterhouse is so interesting. Like, I, so, like, since I was young, my mother used to buy, um, like, the cheapy little magazines in bulk. Her favorites were um, In Touch, Us Weekly, and Life in Style. She would buy all three every week at the grocery store. And I remember constantly seeing the name Suki Waterhouse. And I was like, mm -hmm. who the fuck is this person? Like, I constantly Googled them, still couldn't figure out who they were, what they were doing, but they were always around in the yeah. same way of like um, a Tinsley Mortimer in that yes. area. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She's like an early like a Tumblr model girly. Like I always think of her and Cara Delevingne sort of in the same, though Cara, her impact is a little bit more sizable. Not yeah. gonna say positive or negative, but definitely more sizable, it, it's so. something. It's, you know, we will stream Pills by St. Vincent. Um, yeah. Um, iconic music. Much where it's, we'll watch, uh, we won't watch Paper Town. What one, John Green, one was she in? Paper Towns? Yes. Oh, no. I'm not a big, I only know Fault in Our Stars. I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, like with one of the Naked Brothers people. Yes. But I know what you're talking about. And now she's like playing an elf on some some Amazon show. Like I don't need to see, I don't need it. <laughs> That's where she belongs. Yeah, like kind of working, but like not anywhere that we would necessarily Here. go so that's fine with me i'll just enjoy that one clip of like her getting on stage at the azalea banks concert i don't know if oh <laughs> so she is just so annoying i i don't know but you talented, know talented whatever maybe our but... world's foremost um first girlfriend for every queer woman in hollywood yes like i mean she is the female or the lesbian leonardo dicaprio Yes. Like you just have to check off that box when you you when you're a visible queer woman in Hollywood. Like you just have to 
have a Kara phase or a Michelle Rodriguez phase. Yeah. Two paths. One of them, both of them seem really like, whoa. But uh, those are your two options, unfortunately. So if we got a third person in the mix, uh, maybe it'll be better. But all right, we have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. And we're back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Jack, what are you rushing to the ER today? Okay, so we are going to talk about the ticking time bomb that is Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yeah. Uh, So this show is absolutely not sustainable. Um, I don't know where (laughs) everyone else is at with the Real Housewives, but this from the jump has been the most chaotic franchise of Housewives ever. Yep. (laughs) It's not, I think it's just not casted properly. I think it's cast near perfectly. Okay. <laughs> um, it's in the same vein of like your Potomac. I think everybody who is on is kind of necessary, even if you don't enjoy them all or enjoy what they're doing. I think they all serve a function. Um, but the problem is they're all so problematic that we have to keep switching them in and out. <laughs> yes. So this, okay. I agree with everything that you've just said. Like, Everyone brings it, except Jenny, but Jenny's no longer with us. Like, I never thought Jenny brought it. Um, There are too many big personalities here and no glue. You need a glue cast member to, like, go between all the different factions and, like, just bring it together. Like, none of these women like each other. No. And that's part of the fun, but it also makes for like some of the messiest television I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, which is great. Like that this is like what I love in a housewife season is when it's complete chaos, everybody is completely deluded and deranged. Like, I don't know how we got to the point where Jen Shaw is our like straight man and like the most down-to-earth and grounded person in this cast. But yeah. it's kind of where it's at. <laughs> I I agree and disagree in that four short weeks ago, she was trying to fight Lisa Barlow on a sprinter van and yeah. was like derangedly like shaking maracas at people and like like full feral like mani- mania energy. The last few weeks and the reunion, I think she's toned it down a little bit because someone has told her to do so. Like this reunion, I think she said maybe four things. Yeah. And for context, we are recording this after watching the first reunion episode. We have not seen any other parts yet. Part two is airing tonight. tonight. Of yes. Um, yes. So like, from the beginning, when they announced Salt Lake City, I was like interested because of like the Mormon of it all. Yeah. But it, it kind of dives into that, but doesn't really a whole lot. Like some of it's a lot of like former Mormon conversation which like that is Heather Gay's whole plotline and I'm so tired of it um that it's like former Mormon dead dad and like I get it but I can only see you like sit on a folding chair outside and like talk about your dead father for so long (laughs) I Heather is a tough case for me because I'm very neutral on her during the seasons like I get that she wants to be sort of the supreme narrator of the show 
Yes. But I really chafe against the like fan favorite designation that she seems to be getting a lot. And on reunions, I think she is so unnecessarily aggressive and rude. Well, she she was was like this in season one too. She was a monster in the season one reunion. Yeah. And I think like she kind of like showed her hand too quickly and like tried to rein it in at the beginning of season two. But I don't know. I just, I need them to give her something to do. It's like, you would think that like a woman who was like trapped in the Mormon religion for like her entire life, who is now like newly single on the prowl, like looking to like move forward with her life, raising her glass of champagne. Um, mm. You would think that she'd be like more, like we'd get more vibrant storyline, like her dating or like her doing anything. But it's just like constantly her like grappling with her family and the fact that like she's a former Mormon, which I guess like it is a compelling storyline for people who have also experienced that. But to me, it's just like, we're doing this every episode. Yeah. And she doesn't really get in the mix in a way that's compelling. That kind of justifies what she's doing on the reunions like this. Like she always, she sends Whitney to do her dirty work. Yes. Which is, <laughs> Whitney is a fool. She is <laughs> yes. a yes. really little girl. Um, my, she's one of my favorites because, she's not like one of my favorites, but I enjoy watching her because she is so aggressive, but so timid at the same time. And she can't get, she wants to like come after somebody, but can't get it together fast enough. In well, because she just does. Yeah, she's not. I don't want to be mean, but like she is not the sharpest tool in the shed, and is not a very articulate person. No. So it always feels like everything's a step too late. Like she comes in like a scene or a beat too late with what she has to say, Becomes and it comes so hot. <laughs> so hot. Because she's thought about everything. It's taken her a while, but she's said she's basically saying the most impactful thing she can say at the exact wrong time. Yes. So the shit stirring feels really like egregious because of all those things. She doesn't do it as well as Lisa does. I'll say that. That is my queen of the show. I agree 100%. Lisa Barlow is the MVP of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I think she is the most compelling person to watch. She is absolutely deranged. She is like, that's like, I love an insane, deluded housewife who like really thinks that they are in the right, doing their best and being a good person (laughs) and is just like a complete villain. That's the thing. Like she is such a likable villain. Yes. (laughs) In a way that... Like a Luann is also a very likable <laughs> villain to me. Like Luan someone is- who is very oh. caught up on in their own, you know, uh, high on their own supply, but like charming about it. Luann has some of the darkest energy of like any person I've ever seen on Ooh, TV. But also like Lisa kind of does too. Like yeah. Lee, I like I love her family. Like I love her hustle and business and stuff. But like the hot mic moment Ugh. where she goes in on Meredith like that. And like, I do think Meredith sort of deserved like a talking to, but like the thing, like if my best friend of 10 years called me a garbage whore <laughs> and like talked about my family like that, like I would, I like, I, I would. The family I, that I poses. Like, 
family that poses and then in the finale they were posing so that was like a beautiful beautiful symmetry um but like talk about that insane photo shoot yeah what like the tlc pajamas like (laughs) brooks I, i think brooks had a good season i generally i find brooks charming in the same way that i find like a James Charles kind of charming <laughs> at the end of the day, like I, very I like I can't read Brooks. And I mean that whole family you can't read. That's like part of their whole like oeuvre. <laughs> like yeah. They're just like there's negative vibes there. And the, they're all weird. Like something is not something is just a little bit off about all of them. And I don't I can't really put like a pin on what it is that's wrong with them they're they all have very disparate energies like they should not all be in the same family i think like brooks and meredith sort of overlap but like meredith is I'm trying to find a nice word here so sedated. yeah okay sure well like i'll co-sign <laughs> that like she she's so sleepy and like mush mouth and like brooks is like gay thirsty but like very like performatively so but not oh i'm sorry not gay straight king (laughs) um like i mean if you're partying with like bushwick twinks and stuff like like brooks does like there's no come on like who are you fooling so that's all of my problem with meredith too is like I understand like the historical housewives trope of like, we don't come for the children, but Brooks is not a child. Brooks is a full grown adult who signed on to be a cast member of this show. Therefore their stuff is on the table too. Like, I don't care if your family, like if you are choosing to come on camera and air your shit, you are part of this show now. And like, you got to take the hits when they come at you. Yeah. And I, so a little bit of like insider tea a friend who shall not be named mm-hmm. knows the third marks child the one we've never seen on camera and yes. that third one is so opposed to the family doing the show and like everything that they're barely on speaking terms right now so that's why we only ever see i didn't even know there wasn't i know guy. because they don't they don't want they like they don't talk about them because like I guess out of respect but like it's created like a huge rift so like I can see why the family stuff is maybe sensitive for her but like then don't be on the show right and it's like all of this stems from just like pretty much Brooks being like a typical like I don't know out of the loop twink who's just like made a ew vaginas are gross type of joke about yeah. Jen Shaw and then <laughs> straight man a straight man said that <laughs> mind you and then we don't joke about like if you're going up to bat against like the king you got to be ready to take like yeah Jen Shaw it does not play it safe and she like but like all she really did was like say he needed to be slapped which he did and call him a twink which is correct. Yeah, it's <laughs> correct. Went on a tirade, like calling somebody a twink is homophobic. Yeah, that that's when, because I liked Meredith last season. Like Meredith and Lisa were my two favorites from season one. Mm-hmm. And to watch her heel turn this season has been shocking. And I think part of that was aligning with Mary so vocally 
ended up not being a good look, even though I think Mary is very, I'm going to be sad to see her go because she was a vortex. Not a Lynchian. Mary Cosby is Lynchian. <laughs> Actually, like the, the scene from one of the last episodes where she and Jen Shaw went to her church, her like sparsely attended church service and like, her devotees are full brainwashed like it's scary what's going on over there and I know part two of the reunions getting into like the Cameron of it all but I wish Mary were here to like explain herself a little bit because I don't need to hear Whitney Rose be like I heard that Cameron said this about you speak (laughs) on it like it's not that's not how I want to receive any information Lisa Barlow being like actually your mortgage is home for (laughs) $300,000 I like, I don't know. It it's just not satisfyingly constructed as it is. Like plot-wise, a lot happened this season and there were a lot of iconic moments. Yes. But I don't find any of these people especially likable, which I think is a core issue I, of the show. I love Lisa, no, but like Lisa's I don't know if I need likability from them. And I don't think that's that's my issue with them. Cause it's like I don't think any, like the whole thing is Real Housewives. Everyone thinks they should be relatable. And all the people that I talk to, like all the gays that I talk to love like the relatable housewives, like um, your Heathers and your Carol Radzewells and like- Well, I like Carol, but- I don't like Carol, but I think that that's boring. I think like you need like the completely, like these are like rich women with more time on their hands than anybody else in the world. They're just, all they want to do is like go get dinner and fight. And so I want somebody who's just like batshit. But I think the problem is like, we came into Salt Lake City. Like it was just like all the girls going at it against all the girls from the jump. There was never a moment of like connection and friendship between all of them. Yeah. That it's like, there's nothing really holding any of these bodies together. It's just kind of like, you're at like like you walking into a party and seeing like six different fights going on at once and trying to piece all of that together. Exactly, like none of them have a shared history really outside of like Heather and Whitney obviously do and Lisa and Meredith obviously do. But I mean, until this season, like both of them were in their own blocks operating as like a hive mind. And it just never really like it's never really gelled as a cast like you have all these batshit people doing batshit things in their own little vacuum and those bubbles will like clash up against each other but like it never feels like cohesive enough I don't know like we had so many different threads going on this season with the drama and it's good to have multiple storylines but like the shot rest never really came to anything Yes. And she honestly kind of like worked her way out of like, yeah, I was talking yesterday with my friends, like if what happened to Jen Shaw happened on any other franchise of Housewives, they would be talking about that and only that for the entire season. Yeah. Somehow Jen has spun it to where we kind of got it out of the way in a few episodes, which is insane. And I think part of that is the other housewives are so narcissistic or so single-minded about a very like particular like talking point that they want to do like 
I don't know how Whitney managed to get like three episodes of drama out of like Meredith not going on the bus. Like that should not have been a, a thing at all. How did we get to the like, you didn't attend your father's funeral of it all? Yeah. And like, A, like she definitely did like, but Meredith also was stupid and should have just said like, yeah, my, this was the day that my father's funeral was I'm grieving like I don't like need to like I, I'm gonna take a window of time off to just, just do stuff I don't want to go on this bus like period yeah. I want to go she doesn't like any of you people yes. and like she's like with Mary who's definitely not gonna get on a bus with any of these people so it's like that's the answer but just say that yeah Meredith never says what needs to be said and they talked about it on the reunion no like it's just like it's marble mouthed little paragraphs that don't amount to anything but the reunion when she was um being taken to task for like defending Mary about like the anti-Asian comments and stuff I was happy about that because that was the most egregious Meredith thing for me this season yes but I also don't really know if she answered it very well no she definitely didn't no Um, it's just like basically all they were she did like defend Mary in that moment and say that what she said wasn't that bad and like wouldn't speak up for Jenny and then all she had to do was come on this reunion and say, yeah, I messed up. I was aligned with Mary. Like I should have like said something in the moment. All she needed to do, but she just went on this weird like tangent about how like, oh no, I did actually say that on the show and you guys didn't get it. And it's like, no, I don't know. Yeah. And Lisa Barlow made some very good points about like how if you're going to have a conversation like that like you need to make sure it's shown and make sure that other people are aware that the conversation was had right and lisa i once again often write and is she right about saying that heather gay looks like a lego figurine (laughs) maybe not but i guess that was also um angie who needs to be on next season like where was angie when we just got like the pop-up of the text conversation that was a photo of a giant blow-up Lego figurine with the text cast reveal, I that, screamed at my TV. It's the hardest I've laughed all season and in this interminable season of television. Like it that's is one of the funniest things. <laughs> and like Heather really puts up with the shit from these people talking about her body. Like, again, Jen literally did call her like Shrek and call her (laughs) saying she was behaving like an ogre. I was like, okay. (laughs) Like, even Heather was like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) Like, that is not what you meant. Um, And she, like, she is just, she puts up with relentless abuse. But that, like, I just don't find Heather that light or likable in the way. I'm not saying that she deserves any of these comments, but like, I'm going to side with Lisa nine times out of 10. Yes. Do you know, I, thinking of it now, like Heather reminds me of what they do to Ashley Darby on Potomac, <laughs> where they constantly... Okay drag that woman to the depths of hell and she's just like but that's my friend 
but that no, no it's like um and heather heather dishes it out weirdly too like she was like lisa i love you like i want the best for you and i'm like no you don't you hate this woman with every fiber of your being to the point where you're willing to ignore like what meredith's been saying what mary's been saying like ignoring jen is sure like more rational this reunion than most other people but jen is facing 50 years of prison time for defrauding elderly people (laughs) and you are more concerned with lisa calling meredith a garbage whore and calling you a lego figurine like that is not like there's no perspective you have no perspective lisa called saying like oh you're so textbook like that really made me laugh (laughs) like my, I think Heather's pop. So Heather is, I think the Mormon thing has to do with it, but you can tell how stuck in like high school that woman is. And it's really kind of sad, honestly, yeah. but she wants, she is so afraid of Lisa and wants to please her so bad. She's like, I hate this woman. You're fake. You're fake. But constantly is still pushing to try to. Oh, your- you know that if Lisa ever extended like a genuine olive branch, she'd be like snatched it like immediately, like would forsake everything. Cause she, again, like she's even brought it up that like Lisa's like the popular girl, the mean girl. And like, she still wants a bite of that. And like, she's not grown enough or I guess matured enough to see that like, that's not really what you want out of life. And like, actually the life that Heather is living is probably the most like sane and grounded out of any of them on that show. But she still just wants to be liked by the other girls. Yeah. And like, (laughs) she clearly is a very like need based person. Like, there are a lot of voids in her life. Like, she's like, her religion has kind of rejected her. Like, she's not married anymore. Like, there are a lot of vacuums that need to be filled by something. And she just doesn't know what they are. Or, like, doesn't know where to look for them. And it just creates this very, like, sort of, like, innocent, but, like, desperate vibe that I just don't, like, I don't know. It's not that fun to watch on TV. Like, she's funny and she's charming and, like, I do think she's nice. Yes. But not with Lisa. I think that this franchise is going to like completely explode, like implode on itself in the next season. Yeah. Um, I do get Dallas vibes a little bit from it. Like season two of Dallas was so iconic and good, but in a similar way, like the whole cast was just like too combustible. Yeah. Again, that couldn't last. Want to talk about like compelling TV and absolute monster. Leon. Yeah. I like, Leanne can be iconic and terrible. Like both things can be true. I don't think anyone on this show is like Leanne Locke and Lovell. No. Except Mary's push, pushing it. I do think Mary, but she's gone now. So like, Not in the same way though. No. It's not like your husband got his dick sucked at the roundup. No, <laughs> not quote. Like Mary does have quotes. Like I, like her just being like, women really like that was shockingly funny to me and like her saying that like I don't remember the exact quote but her saying that Heather had like a false Mormon sense of superiority (laughs) was like that's a read like like inbred too oh yeah they always call him inbred like but like 
if you're trying to beat the inbred Mormon polygamist allegations, you're not the the, like, don't, yeah, don't, you're throwing it stones of glass houses or whatever. But also, like, if Heather and Whitney want to stop, like, getting those insults stop acting like frick and frack like i would like to see those two have a schism because that it would be an interesting dynamic yes because that block needs to be split up like they need to add another glue member of the cast like i do think angie could be that person because she is the link between the lisa faction and the Mm -hmm. jen could honestly do that too but jen has her own shit and she's such a and she's such a rageaholic too like that's like say what you will about Luann, but Luann doesn't get like angry unless she's blackout and threatens to kill a cop. But that's that's kind of the only time we've uh, seen that shade on her. So I like I think I I might have discussed this with you before. So Jen Shaw in like season one, it she was like at the point where she came in too self aware to the point where she was yeah. producing herself as a housewife to like try to get compelling storylines. Like her just like starting fights and like throwing glasses. It, like, all that stuff's been done before. And yes, in the times that it's been done, it's been natural. So it's been wonderful to watch. But when she does it, it's like, you can tell that there's like an inner monologue in there. Like her producing herself, telling her what to do. And that's something that I don't really like about like where the housewives is at right now. Yeah. And like the whole state of reality TV, I guess, because like everybody now is so hyper aware of the way that they're going to look when this show airs, that what they're doing is like still unhinged, but still produced at the same time. Yeah, like that's always been a problem for the franchise, but social media has really amplified that. Cause like you do everything with a fan response in mind now. Right. And to me, the only mod, I haven't watched Miami, so I can't speak to Miami, but like the only like newer Housewives franchise that really like strikes the balance well is Potomac. Like those women came in like knowing they were on TV but have managed to stay really grounded and real for, m- for most seven parts, seasons, like yeah. for seven <laughs> seasons now. Like I, you can kind of quibble with like how Wendy and Mia kind of doing too much, a little too much, but like, it's not that like, I think that cast is just so like, Perfect. everyone carries their weight so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, OC. Have you been watching OC this season? No. I stopped watching OC because I think that is, I don't know how that was, like, if you watch the first episodes of OC, like, ever, how that became the revolution that the friend, like, that Housewives is, is insane. It is some of the least compelling television. It's just, like, watching, like, like, what were those little handheld like the flip cameras or whatever it's oh, like yeah. you gave your mom's friend like a flip camera and told her to walk around her like it's home movies it. yeah <laughs> vicky gunvalson's home movies i guess she's kind of she is the one that started it all though because she's the first batshit housewife she is but it took tamra judge to, really to light her. the fire but from the from the jump, she was always there was something off there. Like her oh, like yeah. yelling at like a car company for sending the wrong kind of car. Like I don't know. 
Um, do you watch like all of the franchises or like where are you at in the house? So I had not been watching OC for four years. Okay. I have been dipping in and out of this season a little bit more. Heather? <laughs> really not. This is, a, yeah, well, I don't like Heather. Heather is someone who has been on TV before and knows how to do it. Like, she's really overproducing. Um, but one of the new girls on OC is in no hyperbole. I think one of the craziest housewives they've ever had on. This um, Noella? Noella, yeah, I Noella Bergener. Yes. Um, she is off the rails, like came in insane and ha- it's only ramped up from there. Like, I don't think it's sustainable, but like OC is the, it's most more watchable than it's been in like five years. Got it. But Jersey yeah, is think- my crown jewel right now. Yeah, I'm not caught up on Jersey, unfortunately. It's um, good this season. That's a cast that's really gelled well together. Yeah. I think from like where we're at in the Housewives universe, like what I'm most interested to watch is probably like Beverly Hills. Yeah, definitely. Um, because like they were in their flop era for years. Years. And somehow came back last season to like one of the best seasons of Housewives, maybe of all time. Yeah. Um, and like everybody on that cast is giving. I'm really excited to see where they go with all the Kathy Hilton drama, et cetera. Um, yeah I mean did you see that this is alleged 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 we have no way of confirming this right now but like did you see that rumor that she allegedly called Sutton's Cajun gay assistant a faggot yes (laughs) okay very funny I mean don't she can't say it and she is like so Trumpy so like it's bad but like that would be very funny if that actually happened do you think so I'm kind of in the camp that believes the rumor that she is like, came on to do like PR essentially against the Paris documentary and how bad oh, she looked her mother. I 100% believe that. And that she's completely putting on this facade of like old bimbo. Um, <laughs> old bimbo. <laughs> so rude. Like every, true, but yeah. Everything we've ever heard about Kathy Hilton is that she's like this mastermind manipulator and all of this stuff. And that was all the excitement to get her on the show because like she has like ruined lives. And we see her on the show and she's just like like your like friend's weird grandmother. <laughs> Yeah, like she's putting on a fuddy-duddy act that... And I think it's completely fake. Oh, I watched the Paris documentary, which is not great, but like a pretty fascinating artifact of like a certain time and place in like American culture. She's so different on that compared yeah. to this that like I, I'm entertained by what she's doing on Beverly Hills, but it's very clearly like not. And that's why I think <laughs> Miss tell the truth Lisa Rinna gave Kathy her little season to like have her introduction and do her fun and now she's going to be like you are not acting the way that you act in real life on camera so we're going to bring this shit up <laughs> which is an annoying like Rinna does that year after year it's her after only year. Thing. it's her when, only trick when she did that shit with Yolanda Hadid it was <laughs> Some of the best things, like the Munchausen storyline on Beverly Hills is some of the craziest, like stupidest. Well, so stupid, but like Machiavellian, like reality TV we've ever gotten. And then Lisa's just been trying to recreate that year after year after year. 
I remember watching that season when it was actually airing and thinking that it was sort of a flop, but I rewatched it in like early pandemic. It's way better than people remember it being. Like Yolanda I, is a legend. Legend, legend. And like she was, I definitely was like a little bit more team Rina that season because I do <laughs> allegedly, whatever, controversially, I do think Yolanda has Munchausen. So like I don't, I'm like, okay, whatever. But like Beverly Hills didn't start getting unwatchable until Teddy came along. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's it was. Season eight and nine are terrible, terrible. Lucy Applejuice. Yeah, like awful. Like this show kind of needs Vanderpump a little bit. And I do, there is a part of me that really wishes that Lisa was around for the Erica of it all, just because I think that would be a fascinating dynamic. But she's just too far gone. How do you feel about um, one Kyle Richards? Okay, historically have not like Kyle Richards loved her last season. Okay, that's where I met with her too. So I have always been a Kyle Richards hater. I think she's so boring. I think she constantly is like stirring up drama and then backing off completely and letting everybody else like be yeah. a part of it and then acting like she's the victim in it all. And, but in last season, she was great to watch. Ultimate Girls Trip, I was like, who is yeah. this woman? Like, she's so down to earth and relatable when she's not with those other women. And then after after the Halloween kills of it all, I was like, she has a sense of humor too. Like, she's she's more than I gave her credit. Yeah. And I it's think just it's like her place in the dynamic of these girls. I think it's so funny that I didn't watch Halloween Kills because I don't like really like gory horror movies, but I did see the clip of her you know, being like, run, like <laughs> she was giving it her all. And I love that she has essentially gave fan service her way into like being the third lead of the next movie. That's so funny to me. <laughs> and also iconic hustle. Like say what you will about those Richard sisters and Kathy too. They're so good at image control, except oh. Kim, but like, I mean, Kim, Kim kind of is, but... Kim is maybe, like, my favorite housewife of all time. Oh, she's unbelievable. So I don't want her back because I don't think it's good for it her. It is not good for her health, but to see the three Richard sisters together on TV is, I think, what we've been building up to in this entire show. Yeah. And I think that, like, it needs to happen on the final season of, like, Beverly Hills, and we just completely tank it and we bring them on. They the show freeze frames on the three of them. Cigarette burns start like popping through, and it just dissolves. That's why. That's um, it. So, Roni, which historically is my favorite of the franchise, yes, me too. I think like if we want to talk strong seasons, they have the most, and like probably the best seasons overall of all of them. They've just really fell off in the last like two or three years. Yeah. I think what they need to do on that show is honestly bring in the most batshit people you can find in New York and just completely tank it. Like, I want Wendy Williams on Roni. I want Azalea Banks on Roni. <laughs> give, me, give me the most insane cast of all time. I'm, I'm here for that. I, I'm worried about what they're doing to the show because the most recent rumor was that only Luann and Ramona are coming back. Which is like of all people we keep Ramona. How? Like 
I, I look, I like, no, I don't like Ramona as a person. I think she's an abhorrent person who has done some excellent things on TV, but like her story's up. She's also pushing 70 to like, I don't, it's not the right vibe right now. Like Bill and Ram, Luann and Sonia who have been like the cornerstones of that show. What is Sonia going like, to do without that show? I'm genuinely concerned. I don't, don't put that out there. We can't, she, we can't. She has been, since the wrapping of the last reunion, she has been at a different Palm Springs health spa, just tr- like going from one to the other. And I'm like, baby, what are you doing? Like, How does she have there? the money for that? No, that's like, if things are not looking good for Sonia Morgan, she, without this show, she's really, I... I don't know. It makes me sad. It makes me scared. She is, again, one of my favorite people I've ever seen on TV. Oh, yeah. Top top three housewife for sure for me. Um, she has been living in a house of cards for like 20 years now. And like without, I, without this show, it's just, it's all going to come tumbling down. Like, how do you make income? I don't know. Like, I don't know what she does. She has such bad instincts too. I love her, but like she has really bad instincts. And like, that's a hard way to go through the world. And bad business sense and everybody like takes advantage of her and yeah. her over, and I feel so bad. I don't want to be reductive or misogynist here, but like she might just need to find like Another some man. rich guy. Yeah. <laughs> but she's been trying for years to do that and it hasn't taken oh, clearly. She's, she's a mess. <laughs> oh, we're just sending blessings to all like I, I really would like Roni to come back swinging, but like, I know they're not bringing it back until 2023. So like, that's, uh, does not bode well for what's going on. So I do think we have to move on to our final segment. Okay. So that was, I think we went scorched earth on Bravo, but um, okay. We are going to tear the community apart okay. even further, but we're going to do it from a different angle. So the rules of this game are very simple. I've picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Okay. <laughs> so these two songs are from the alt pop, hyper pop, girly scene, both from 2020 albums that are widely considered two of the better pop albums of the past five years. Okay. They are collaborators. One of these artists we have mentioned already on this podcast, but who will come out victorious? Which okay. song is better? Anthems by Charlie XCX or Excess by Rina Sawayama. Ooh, ooh, this is hard. Um, my gut instinct is actually telling me to go with Anthems. Okay. Um, I think that Excess is a masterfully written pop song. Um, I think it's like very tight and like it hits but something about just like the absolute chaos of anthems, it's like when you hear that beat coming in, like everybody goes completely feral yeah. in a way that I don't think a lot of songs can do. And I think that's actually what Charlie is really good at is like <laughs> making these songs that make people like when you hear the first like inkling of it in the club, you lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, again, I think Rena is great i thought that the album was great i'm really excited to see what comes from her um but i when it comes to like like chaos and polish i'm always going to take the chaos 
Okay. I, I get behind all that. I think I agree with you too on the ultimate choice here. Like Charlie does hyper pop so well because she understands the pop side of it. Yes. Like it's not just, I think a really reductive critique of the hyper pop genre writ large is that it's just like pots and pans music, which bad hyper pop totally is. Like all these like interchangeable like 16 year olds who are making like unlistenable like <laughs> butt rock with like a digital distortion filter on top of it. Like that is bad. But Charlie but, knows the top hook. Yeah, mm-hmm. Charlie can write a chorus. Charlie, like she also understands like that like musical like production hooks and stuff are so important, which is why like Vroom Vroom works really well too. Like, which I think is like the best pop hyper pop song yes ever written if you're gonna call it that like I would agree yeah yeah like that song has so many like little musical moments that just like worm your way into the brain it has like the core it feels like it has like three different choruses almost and anthem sort of has that same vibe it's not as good but like it hits there pretty well excess is great though but it's like a pastiche of like Right. And like, again, something about like what Charlie does with Hyperpop is a little, it's always a little rough around the edges, Mm -hmm. which I think makes it even more interesting. It's like, there's always like something like weird and new and something that she like tweaks a little bit where it's off. And it's like every listen, you hear like a little new tidbit of the song. Whereas like, again, like excess is just like, from start to finish, just like a masterfully crafted pop song. Yeah. In, the, in like the vein of like early 2000s pop, which obviously that's what it's going for. But like, um, I don't know. I think I do miss that era of pop music. And I think we're trying to revitalize it in some ways, but like nobody's really hit like the bombast of like what Britney Spears was doing at the time. No. Well again. Because those are very producer driven eras too. Like you're not like even Max Martin is not at the level that like Max Martin anymore. No, like you, it's hard to have like a a 30 year pop production career and still keep it like fresh and new. And he did some really interesting stuff with the new weekend album, which I think is really underrated and people are kind of sleeping on that weirdly, but like, it doesn't really sound like traditional Max Martin stuff. Like, the reason that Charlie, like the Charlie's hyper pop is so good compared to like a lot of like the imitators is because she also has the good sense to like work with the top shelf producers within that space, like working with Sophie and AG Cook and like even Dylan Brady, like her stuff with like the Gex people has been like really solid too. Like no one else has the budget or like the access to do that. So it just sounds like knockoffy in comparison. It reminds me of, so I am not a huge Chromatica fan. Okay. Um, I get a lot of shit for that opinion too, but my thing with Chromatica is you can hear where that influence of the new sound of Hyperpop is and then you can hear where she took it and brought it all, like reined it all back in with a blood prop production. Yeah. And it never reaches the heights that you can feel it had. Like, I feel like somewhere there exists like earlier versions of these tracks that are a lot more interesting. And she completely like toned it down because 
in my take on it is that she gained a lot of like general public success again after the success of A Star is Born. And she satisfy her fans while also still trying to satisfy the general public. Yeah. So she couldn't go too out there with her sound. And I feel like it just, it brought what could have been an amazing album down to something that like is just fine. Yeah, I, I'm on record on this pod as saying that it's very like Gaga paint by numbers. Yes. And there's some, like the, where it gets a little bit more experimental, she kind of shoots herself in the foot with some questionable decisions. Like Sign From Above could be a very interesting song, especially with that outro that absolutely does not need like a pandery Elton John feature on it. Yeah, but she, she loves to bow down to her icons and I'll give her that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't need an Elton John feature. No, that's why I think Sour Candy is so successful because like it does kind of sound like a PC music um, like production, but like adding Blackpink feels like genuinely kind of forward thinking and tapped into like a current moment. Like it's a good spectrum of things. I think what's interesting too is like if you look at the remix album of Chromatica, you can kind of hear that direction of where like these songs could have went. I think to a lot of varying success on that. Remix yeah. Album, I think like some of the moments on the remixes, it's like if she would have just hyped this shit up a little bit more, like brought in the people she was working with at the time, your Sophie's, your Grimes, like all of those tracks we didn't get to hear. I think there was interesting music there and she got scared. Yeah. Like, cause she didn't, she's been working on this album since pre A Star Is Born too, like pre the release of it. So like, I definitely buy into your theory that she, she saw that she got validated for her most mainstream stuff in a while. And she's like, well, why don't we just do more of that? And it did work. Like Chromatica sold really well and she had her first number one. Well, I mean, since her non like soundtrack single go number one in like almost 10 years, I think like it worked for her. But at what cost? But I'll be streaming Love for Sale instead. <laughs> yeah, stream Love for Sale. Um, I, I like Chromatica just fine. But yeah, I like, I'm not sure we're ever going to get like a genuinely experimental Gaga album ever again, if we even get another Gaga album. So Our, yeah, she's going full actress. She's going full, I don't know. She's going to spend her whole career trying to be Sharon Moonstruck and she's never going to be but I'm gonna well don't say never I like her as an actress I like I have not seen House of Gucci because I'm a, I'm scared to but she is genuinely very good in A Star Is Born she's good but my it's it's too theater kid she's not natural like what's good about what I love about um like pop star turning into actress is when they can like really like chameleon their way into these roles like and I mentioned Sharon Moonstruck because I think that's a perfect example yeah like Cher really just like gives it in that movie and you kind of forget that you're watching Cher whereas like with Gaga and House of Gucci I could not pull away from this is Lady Gaga on my screen yeah even under all that like I think she was more natural than A Star is Born oh I'm sure yeah Yeah. it's just like I like I could buy into what she was selling in A Star is Born more than I could with House of Gucci even though House of Gucci is kind of a more serious movie I mean, she is also basically playing herself too in A Star is Born. Like the the curve is not too steep there. I'm like, I, good for her. I like, 
I think she got a little too much praise too quickly for it. And I think that's why we got something like House of Gucci. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. She like getting like the best actress of it all, your first go around of a like movie role. Well, no, she did the um what was the like machete kills. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we cannot forget Your Machete second. Kills. And she did a, like American Horror Story Hotel, which yes. was bad. I mean, she was like fine in it, but like she was also just doing like imperious bitch stuff that was not, that's that, like any anyone could do that. Like, But I think like, so I didn't love her in House of Gucci. I think, I think she just like, I don't think she deserved a nomination. And I think it would have really humbled her if she had not gotten a nomination and kind of would have forced her to like be more, I don't know, to put a little more thought about the roles that we're going to take here on out. But again, like she loves paying homage to the icons and Ridley Scott sadly is an icon. Yeah, (laughs) she's done great work. It just doesn't sound like this is one of them. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy well godspeed to her i mean i, oh, I think I the ultimate message of this podcast is everyone we've talked about today we wish them well everyone everyone is mother Every everyone <laughs> everyone is mother <laughs> the world is mother um all right well this was unbelievable i've had a an, an epic saga of opinionating and community building this is sister community today yeah it what what is this podcast if not gay media brain undiagnosed untreated like just left to fester but jack where can people find you on social media okay you can find me on twitter at at ho anna newsome yes one of my favorite twitter handles Thank you. Um, Just a word of warning, if you're listening to this, I do post thirst traps quite often. You will not see dick, but you will see dick neck is what we're referring to it as. (laughs) I saw Uh, someone refer to it as stump the other day, which made me feel like out of body experience. (laughs) The the cock as tree of it all. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You can find me in a more tame version on Instagram at Jack underscore Mazio. yeah fantastic um you can find me on twitter at fga pigs with the z and on instagram at drew haskins with z's um what else oh oh yeah yeah follow the podcast accounts you can follow crisis twink pod on twitter and instagram for like direct pod updates and like i mean the instagram is mostly just sharing tiktoks that i like which is like it's a way to live. So, um, but well, thank you so much for being here. This was a true, an odyssey, a spectacle, a meeting of the minds, a meeting of the minds. And this, I think this is my longest episode ever. So we have given the people food for thought today. (laughs) So, all right. Bye everyone.